Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. Or is it? Are you a chatbot of some voice? This is represent- Carl's bot. Yeah, okay. I heard, this is Fred Schenkelberg, but the I heard that the other day. It was the opening, it was in a uh, congressional hearing is I think one of the senators introduced his, his point with a GPT-ish, some AI generated prompt and it mimicked his voice and said things. He goes, those are not my words and that is not my voice. <laughs> and I'm standing <laughs> right here and I'm not talking, I'm not doing anything. I, I didn't record that. That's coming from AI. And so he got a chuckle from the crowd at the, at the hearing. Uh, but that's just, it's in the news everywhere right now. So I thought, and I know you've run into this with FMEA. Well, th- this is what's so funny about this, because uh, for, just for listeners, Fred and I were preparing. We always talk for a couple of minutes on what the subject matter is for the podcast. And we had a subject all laid out. I won't say what it is because it'll be a future one. And uh, and then we just started chatting about some of the experiences we've had on uh, AI and uh, automation and things like that. And we got, it was a very passionate conversation. And Fred said, well, why don't we just hit the record button? And we did. So we're right in the middle of this conversation. And I'll just rehash one part of it, okay. which is the there's a long-term effort to automate FMEA, as an example. There's And there can be some value in that, but there's a lot of downside to that because it can miss very important things. So defensively, I created a suggested uh, a year ago at the Rams conference to have a debate on FMEA automated or team-based. Now, when you're saying automated, I mean, I know that ReliSoft and others have said, well, a capacitor can fail open or shorted or, you know, uh, or lose its, it, there's only so many known mechanisms for things. So they, so if you have a capacitor, it can pre-fill in that from a database. But I think it got upped a bit when you're talking about AI. Yeah, the uh, very definitely there's input to an FMEA and, and you want to have that. And, you, and certain portions can be, I call it pre-populated. And that pre-population can be automatic or be, from a database or could be based on some algorithm or logic, but it's so important to have an interface with teams and with human people that have skills and can see things uh, in addition to that. And it's very important to know what the roles are, uh, what who does what and what the role is for automation or algorithms and what the role is for humans and the teams and, and, and how to do that. And so we had this um, a debate and the debate was really good because there were a couple people who re- liked the idea of the automation and a couple people myself included that wanted humans to be involved in certain ways and uh, it was a, I'll call it an Oxford style debate in other words we were a- asking each other questions in addition to giving our points of view mm-hmm. and, and it got lively interaction with the audience and the end result is we both we all learned something from each other and we understood the role for uh, automation or algorithms and artificial intelligence, to use that word, and the role for humans and in the interaction, uh, because systems are complicated. 
and and you need to be able to prioritize things and draw on. And, and then part of that was the importance of models. And then you have the model-based systems engineering and then the model models that interact with FMEA. So this is an ongoing subject, is what is the role of the skilled subject matter expert human and the role of the automation that draws on the databases and all the knowledge that exists uh, up until that point of time, how do they interact together to get the, the right uh, result? And FMEA is just one part of it. Well, Obviously, went, yeah, all I, the aspects of reliability, this discussion should should ensue. Yeah, no, it's... it's um... Oh, well, I've got like three different thoughts on this right off the top of my head. <laughs> the first one is, is it's not so much the right results, because I don't think there is a right answer when doing an FMEA. I think there's a, there's the human element is not having what they can see. It's how to enable the rest of the team to see what you see and vice versa, is that collectively the team can learn from each other in ways that reading a report is just not going to happen. And it's, the value of a rely of an FMEA, in my opinion, is the software team recognizes that the mechanical team really does have some challenges and they need some help, or vice versa. It's the to me, it's been invaluable as a way to cut through interdepartment politics, <laughs> to say it bluntly, and it, it enables the team to actually work as a team rather than individual silos in so many instances that I've run into. And it has many other purposes, but when the team is aligned on these are the priorities and we've all got skin in the game, we participated and understand how that set of priorities came about, then we're all working on the same page. But if what I fear, and I've seen uh, arguments against full automation of not just FMEAs, but all kinds of things, is that where's the engagement, the buy-in, the alignment um, for taking action? Is where, where do these different people that have decisions to make about what to prioritize, uh, if they don't agree, you're sunk. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, and so... To me, this comes down to, Fred, the um, uh, the role of a tool and automation and models. Models, just to, to use that word, models are a tool. Yeah. And models are not the end result because, you, because, as we know, models can have errors. So you use the tools. The When we're applying reliability principles, we're applying them to new technology, changes, new opportunities, uh, new environments. Uh, we're applying them as part of innovation. So we're not applying them only to things that have already existed. And so, yes, there's a lot of information that exists. And I, I think I, I listened to one uh, uh, podcast recently by an expert on uh, AI, talked about the 10 billion pages on the Internet uh, or World Wide Web, that type of thing. So there's a finite amount of information there that can be processed. Uh, but then when you're creating new opportunities and innovation, then it's a thinking subject as to how, what what could go wrong, which is the FMA approach, and what do you do about it? And all that information can be brought in in some automated way to help the human make the decisions. So these are decisions that you and I have podcasted about recently that are so essential uh, to creating reliability is to understand those decisions that are needed to be made and to support that with the tools of models and support 
with the tools of automation and the tools of databases, but those decisions still have to be made. And when they're applied towards things that haven't been done yet, like you're breaking new ground or you're, uh, 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 you have a new environments, that type of thing, uh, you want to use those tools and understand the role of the human in, in doing that. So this is going to be an ongoing discussion, not a one podcast or a one oh, presentation. No. Now, you know, the, to illustrate what I th think you're saying about how to use the tools, there was a, a news story a couple weeks ago that I listened to that was um, um, an, an anonymous woman. She's hiding her protection, he or she, and um, uses a, a visual AI system to develop artwork and comes up with ideas or prompts or whatever and goes through bunches of those and picks this and hones it and hones it. But it's AI generated, the final product, but it's an interactive with what she prompts and it gets like 20 images and goes, that piece of that is good and a little bit of that. And it's sort of like, to me, the way it came across was an artist. I've got pigments on a, is it a palette? No. It's the little thing that it has your thumb hole in it for holding paint, whatever that term is. Um, but you got a brush, different kinds of brushes. You got pigments and paints and, and colorants and cover, you know, elements that you can put onto the canvas. And you're deciding which one goes where. That's a classic definition of a, a painter, an artist, right? There's some are good at it, some are bad. Well, this person was using an AI system, a visual AI system, like a palette, like here's the options. Here's, I like that technique there. I like this feature here. It's just using different brushes and putting together a piece of art. Um, I was talking to Greg Hutchins a couple of days ago and, and he was talking about the government's, he went to some seminar or workshop that was spent all afternoon saying if, if an AI system creates a novel feature or novel design or something or content or concept or something, um, and it's patentable, who gets the patent? How does that happen? And they spent three hours talking about it, never came up with an idea. The other piece of this I listened to recently was an article about um, how many uh, AI-generated, I mean, colleges have been worried and, and high schools and so on are saying, well, how do we do if the student goes home, does their five-paragraph essay, um, and it's done by an AI system? And maybe they touch it up and edit it and put a little bit of their personal touch on it. Is Are we teaching people how to write or are we teaching people how to use a, a computer? But this researcher said, well, how many papers have been published that are AI generated, that are not real? They didn't, never did the research. They never did the experiments. They never, they, there was, and he, I they went through the methodology, how they figured out which ones were real and which ones were not. And easy ones is this person, the author, doesn't exist. And that institution that they cite is where they're from doesn't exist. <laughs> or some inconsistencies like that, uh, they just made it up. The AI system just made up credentials for somebody. And it was 28% of medical journal papers were AI generated. Wow. And it was like the impact is staggering. <laughs> and I just saw a study on uh, on medical where they compared the AI bot 
answering a patient's question. Uh, this is like an online mm -hmm. interaction. Uh, and the doctor answering the question. And the reviews from patients were much better for the AI-generated content. Uh, so there's tremendous opportunities here. Boy, Fred, a lot of things are flashing through me here on <laughs> well, topics. But the, the reliability part is, I think what started it, we, I, we were, I don't know where when our first this part of the discussion was, but for me, it's like, there's a lot of going on in the news. There's a lot of investment going on. There's a lot of cool tools. It's churning. It's busy. You know, and I thought of the hand puppets back in 2000 when every business had to be online, but they didn't really know how to be online and how important it was to actually have a business behind it. <laughs> so if somebody buys your dog food, it actually shows up, you know, and it's good stuff. Um, and the crash, all the hype, all the investment, all the venture capital went into it and it just crumbled because there was a rush to get online, but there wasn't a rush to actually create a business. And with the AI stuff, yeah, there's amazing stuff. And I use AI daily. It's part of Grammarly. It's an app I use that one, it does great spell checking, but it also checks grammar and it does a handful of other suggestions for me, but it it's like having an uh, an expert editor looking over my shoulder all the time. Well, maybe not an expert one. I, I should back that up. It's still worth having that discussion with somebody. But anyway, it's, I haven't found that it's a, all of the promises sound reminiscent of so many other buzzy things in the past. It's the shiny object phenomena in my mind. Let it sort out. Yeah, it's powerful. All this cool stuff. It's got potential. It has potential for good. It's got potential for bad. Let's see how it pans out to where it's useful. And so back to the FMEA thing, it's, it would be useful if it's, if it's another person, another entity in the room, bringing information to the room. I think that would be brilliant, but it yeah, doesn't yeah. give you the final result and say, here it is, you're done. Because I think it misses the value. Oh, of absolutely doing it. right. And in so many things going through here, the, I personally, I don't want to be in the position, I'm not saying you are at all, but I'm saying I don't want to be in the position of, of saying, well, I'm skeptical about it because I think there are tremendous opportunities. It's knowing where and how to use tools. Like, for instance, years ago, I learned how to do square roots or it's any roots uh, by hand. That's a useless technique now because you have calculators that can do that i have a voice bot on my desk that i just ask her <laughs> yes exactly so now there are tools that help you out and so on back to fmea there i could see many 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 opportunities that like you say the additional person in the room have you considered this failure mechanism, given all the the usage you're talking about, the bot says, "Have you talked? Have you thought about the fact that this could happen?" And then the team goes, "Boy, that's a really good point. Yeah. We might have missed that." But then it's a discussion as as yeah. opposed to a result. Exactly. And the what we don't want to do is to where the machine takes over the thinking that's needed, of, of, particularly around the high risk areas. Uh, the machine can gladly take over the low-risk areas and participate in the thinking on the high-risk areas. So have you considered this? What about, I mean, I could see a bot uh, providing summarized and prioritized information about how things have failed, what you might want to consider on this new environment, 
uh, lots of ways it could interact. And I want to be open to that. And I think we all should be. But here's the realization I was having during the conversation. And that's why I always know we're having a good podcast is where I'm realizing something. And I just wrote down one word and circled it. And that word is principles. The If you keep grounded in the principles of what you're trying to accomplish, what the principles are associated with FMEA or any method that you're using, then you can organize where to bring in the automated information, how it can be useful, but it has to support the principles that you're using. That was just the thought that I wanted to add to it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's um, one of the things that I've run into is, you know, and I'm I'm thinking of one of the concerns of this, you know, you put in the prompt for your essay and it cranks out an essay in in your style or somebody else's style or uh, it can and then with other ai tools you can if you have enough recorded information on on audio it could do your voice for you and read it to you and it sounds just real and if i mean there's i think there's gazillions of different wonderful applications for that and there's also plenty of applications that are not all that good Part of it, though, is from a reliability point of view is, and I think your principal's idea is right, is what is it you're trying to accomplish? And is this tool, this technique, this ability to scan gazillions of different information useful for you or not? And I, I remember uh, talking to um, uh, Kirk on this. We He was trying to convince me that AI is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I'm probably not being fair to his argument, but it was, um, you know, if I want to take the average of everything that's on the internet and put it in a paragraph, that's great. But I don't want to be average and I don't want to be average for what's on the internet by far. There's way more stuff about MTBF out there than there is about anything useful. (laughs) So if it's going to be a regression to the mean, I really don't want to be involved with that. Um, I don't think any of my teams that I work with want to do that. If I could add in something here, I want to be open and cautious at the same time. I want my mind to be open to opportunities, but I want my mind also to bring in the skills I have of that can be skeptical about things. So I want to be discerning and critical as well as open yeah. all at the same time. Well, I'm that way with a calculator. Good grief. I, you know, I, if I'm doing a, a data analysis, I check and double check and did i you know is the algorithm right is the assumptions carried through does it it, make sense does it make sense you know i i remember one case uh it was a legal case i was involved in and the and they said what what do you think of this analysis they did of their time to failure distribution i says well just looking at the graph they show that they have an a, a the plot starts at minus three months and I know it only takes them a month to make the product. So somehow they knew that this product had failed two months before they created it. That kind of suggests huh. they really don't know what they're doing with data analysis and <laughs> lawyer going, Hmm, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but yeah, if, um, you know, if I say, Hey, can you, here's a bunch of data. I don't know what kind of analysis to use. Could you write a program to do the analysis for me? If I can't explain it and interpret the results, I don't think it's useful. And I think that goes back to that. If the kids writing an essay using AI and, and not learning how to formulate 
thoughts on paper or, or convey information in writing, they're not cheating the system. They're cheating themselves. The principle oh, yeah. is, is you're trying to teach them how this cognitive activity works and they're sh- taking a shortcut on it. They they're lose. not going to learn how to think. Yeah. And society loses that we lose that ability. So it, I, I agree with you is if, if there's a place I'm sure there is, and it'll continue to evolve, and there'll be some great places that we can use this, and in other places, it's like, you know, I really need to understand where the value is. Where does this really make a difference for us? And, and I think your classic example, if it sits at the table, if we have a screen on the table and it's saying, I'm listening to the discussion, and, and given all this information, and our analysis, and, you know, my algorithms analysis is, well, have you thought about these three failure mechanisms or these three different ways it could fail? You know, where does that fit into this? Or just present them. Here's three different ways you hadn't talked about yet. That's a contribution from the wealth of available information beyond what's in the room. I think that's, that would be great. Contrary to just sand in the essay and I I didn't need, I, we did the FMEA in 30 seconds. We're done. Yeah, the uh, and, and we often end our podcast with "I have one more thought." Yeah, <laughs> so I have one more thought. The actually, it's two. Uh, one is, uh-huh. Uh-huh, I snuck one in. Uh, one is limitations. You and I have constantly brought up the topic of what are the limitations of something. Mm-hmm. You have a particular tool, highly accelerated life testing has limitations. FMEA has limitations. So it's important to know on everything you do, what the weaknesses, what the limitations are, as well as what, how it works and what the principles are. So that's something to keep in mind as more and more things get automated. And the other one, I'll just share a story is, is one of the best techniques I've added to FMEA is to start the meetings. I say, like when you start an FMEA, not Mm -hmm. just every meeting, I go around the room, I say, I hand them a pad of yellow stickies. And I say, I'd like you to write down one yellow sticky for every concern you have about this subject. We're, we're designing a new bicycle, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the modern whatever bicycle. Write down concerns you have about this bicycle project. And I'm talking about how it could fail, what, the, uh, what could go wrong, you know, things that keep you up at night. And the wall becomes filled with yellow stickies. And then we go about the FMEA and we make sure we didn't miss something by looking from time to time at the yellow stickies. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a role for humans on thinking about things. There's a role for the thought process. And if we can have our keep our egos in the right place, understand where we fit in and where automation fits in, it's all going to work out okay. But if we turn up, turn over too much to automation too soon, uh, that's a big problem. Yeah. No, well said. All right. Well, I'm quite sure others in this intrepid listening audience, and is intrepid the right word? No, uh, inspired, illuminated, (laughs) uh, whatever, some I word that's complimentary. Intelligent, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Not artificial, the the true intelligence. Although we have to do a shout out to the bots that are listening to us. Um, Yes. I'm sure you've got an opinion one way or the other. We'd love to hear it. And also, if you know of any really good applications that fit into from artificial intelligence into supporting your reliability engineering work, that'd be cool. We'd like to explore those, understand them. How do they work and what? how do you use them? Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go 
slash SOR. You can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us there. Carl and I and the other hosts are available through LinkedIn or our About pages on Ascendo. So plenty of ways for you to join the discussion. And I don't know, should we do a challenge here, Carl, and ask somebody to do a chat GPT-ish response to our call for inf- Please input? Please do. That'd yeah. be fantastic. That's right. Then we're going to get 400,000 uh, <laughs> automated messages. But, um, you know, let us know what works, what doesn't work for you, seriously. And, um, you know, show us where the, some of these advancements is really going to pay off. And that'd be cool. I think it'd help all of us in this audience. So with that, Carl, um, yeah, I don't know what exactly got us started on it, but it was, uh, <laughs> we didn't hit record quick enough, I think. <laughs> no, we didn't, we, but we got a lot of it in there. And uh, I'll, I'll just sign off from uh, Carl's bot is signing off with the Fred and have a great day. All right. Thanks, Carl. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.